Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Mliwa Kavaza, and for today, we're getting into something that has been a huge uh, focus, um, particularly in the month of October, that is cybersecurity. Um, you know, depending on when you're listening to this, it doesn't matter whether it's cybersecurity month or not. Cybersecurity is one of those things uh, that we all have to be taking um, seriously in one form one way or another uh, but you know outside of that we are just going to be having that discussion but also just talking about some of the trends uh, that are going on in uh, the technology space to help us to make sense of it all we are joined by andrew moodley um, who is the chief marketing officer um, over at uh, access <laughs> Um, Andrew, greetings to you today. Hi, thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Okay, cool. So, um, perhaps a good place for us to start is with Access itself. Um, maybe you could give us a little bit, uh, you know, of insight into the company and, you know, uh, what it does and all that. My understanding, you know, is that it's a unit of uh, Alviva. Um, you know, which was formerly on the JSC, but you know that's the little that I understand. But maybe you could give yeah. us a fuller picture of uh, what the company is and does. Okay, cool. We've been around for a while, and you're correct in saying that we are weak, like to say the largest subsidiary of Elviva <laughs> and uh, the largest contributing subsidiary. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we've been around for a while doing distribution of technology, and we've evolved as technology has evolved from the old days of what distributors did to the where we are now, you know, digital transformation, digi digital technologies has fundamentally changed the nature of our business. In the old days, well, it's still relevant now. We used to be about, as we said, stock them high, sell them low. So it was all about volume of your warehouse and all the things related to that. And in the current age, as technology gets democratized and access to it gets democratized, different me mechanisms and means of getting to technology our role has changed as well so our fundamental role is channel focused is uh, enabling those organizations that in enable the enterprise or the consumer so we sit one step removed from the people actually consuming the technology or using the technology um, people like yourself uh, and we service those organizations that would become a be a supplier to you and our job for the for the vendors or the the, the organizations that we um, that we represent in different forms in different territories is to give them a requisite channel, a channel that's able to adopt the technology that they are creating and a channel that, that's able to then get certified and then help organizations transform themselves utilizing this technology. So that's principally our job that we do across uh, multiple forms of technology. You get organizations in our space that are focused on, say, client um, computing technology, or you get those that are focused on cybersecurity. We uh, we have a diverse portfolio, so we have we a divisionalized structure that focuses on both, for all the way from client computing to enterprise hardware and technologies to software to cloud to cybersecurity. So we're quite diversified as an organization. I'm curious to get your sense out of your 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 mix. Um, what's popular, um, you know, what's popular at the moment, because I think that helps us to frame um, if you're going to be protecting something, what is actually being yeah. protected? <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's a good, yeah. 
that's a good, that's a very good question. Uh, trending, um, topical trending is of course AI. So, but we'll come back to that. Um, in terms of what we're seeing practically, where revenues are coming from, growing businesses is uh, cloud and cloud centric. And uh, if I say if my definition of cloud, because it differs sometimes amongst different organizations, but where we're seeing the move is from perpetual ownership to subscription-based um, engagement with, with technology. And I say engagement specifically because it's not necessarily a move, an either or, it's uh, either you, people dabble or people make fundamental decisions or organizations make fundamental decisions, but there is a general trend where ownership is not necessarily frowned upon, but partial ownership sometimes is more um, more relevant to the business than just having ownership in the old days um, where you had to manage and maintain everything. So we're seeing that trend happen. And the second thing we're seeing is that uh, our neighbors across uh, our, uh, across our borders, we're seeing a lot of demand from our African business. Um, South Africa seems to be at a, at a good gentle trajectory, whereas we're seeing a lot of leapfrog technology adoption in neighboring countries, uh, not necessarily in more advanced technology, but just in terms of just technology adoption. In South Africa, we've always been on a good trajectory. Mm. Well, funny enough, you know, coming back to your point about the first trend that you noted, um, I understand, you know, I've been watching the, the, the industry for some time now, and we have been seeing um, a lot of companies and you see with the way that they even report, um, you know, one of the ways that, uh, you know, companies are marketing themselves to certain investors is to say, you know, look at how much of our revenues are coming from annuity based uh, type of yes, income, yeah, um, subscription-based mm -hmm. income. That recurring revenue has become like a sort of like a fundamental part of how tech tech companies are are operating right now. I can admit, you know, that a, a, as a tech person, perhaps it uh, reveals my age a little bit, but. I, I miss the old days, man. You know, being able to buy one license, <laughs> being able to buy yeah, no. a license and knowing that, okay, fine, I'm taken care of. Um, you know, yeah. whether it's my 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 productivity suite or my creativity suite, I've bought the thing, even though the initial upfront cost is expensive. Um, at least I know that I'm done with this thing, but uh, well, I guess we are in a, what you call this a completely uh, different different paradigm right now. <laughs> I don't want. Let's not talk about giving away age, but we. <laughs> but I think, and that's why a balanced portfolio makes sense for a lot of companies. We've got we've got a partner organizations that have a good spread between different technologies. Like I said earlier, it's not an all in, and I don't think it should be an all in, and I don't think. Uh, despite the fact what we are hearing in the in the proactive messaging from um, also the OEMs or vendors, we do see quite a large segment of the market staying with their established technology decisions and then moving portions of their business or dabbling with other technologies in a subscription consumption way. So I agree with you. I think uh, saying that everything should move to subscription is maybe short-sighted now. Uh, maybe the commercial model doesn't make sense right now or the technology model doesn't make sense for everyone right now, but the, we see a good mix of that. Our underlying software business, if we call it our underlying software, not the cloud software business, but just the underlying perpetual licensing business, 
it's still very solid. There is large enterprises in South Africa still consuming technology in the old way, as you called it, and not necessarily in the new way. But they are still using cloud technology and on top of that, putting perpetual licensing. So it's a hybrid model of technology adoption, not a one size yeah. um, model. Yeah. Okay, cool. Very interesting place, you know, that we're in. And I think we can now get into, um, I guess, one of the core reasons why we're talking is, um, you know, around uh, cybersecurity. That's actually been an interesting space to observe over time. It's all, it's had its own evolutions. And keen to get your sense on um, how Axis is um, approaching um, you know, cybersecurity. And one of the one of the key things that I'm curious about is uh, does cybersecurity, do you see it as, because obviously there's different pieces of the business, like what you said, right? Um, there's probably a vendor portion. Um, and then there's probably from a platform and software point of view, uh, there's also possibly a security layer as well that needs to be, um, you know, thought about. So how do you guys uh, think around, uh, you know, security? Is it a product? Is it something that needs to just be baked in, you know, uh, full time? Yeah, just just your thoughts. Yeah, I think there, there are multiple dimensions to cybersecurity. I'm, I'm personally more curious about cybersecurity beyond just the the tools and the systems that we are traditionally uh, familiar with. I, I used to be a firewall guy and a networking guy and a, many types of guys in the past, and I'm quite comfortable talking about those aspects of cybersecurity. But, you know, as we, you, we're seeing the cybersecurity conversation move beyond just the, the techies and the IT staff to the boardroom. And we're also seeing that the dimension of cybersecurity conversation goes beyond the tool sets as well to business resilience. And, you know, when we start talking about business resilience, we start talking about getting other actors in the organization engaged just and not just the IT department. Um, for example, um, I recently engaged with our internal audit team and I was, and I was pleasantly surprised to see their interest in asking questions and exploring areas. That, are, that one would have normally thought would be reside with just the IT department engaging you around data security, user access, uh, users getting offboarded, that involves HR as well. One of the areas we covered was when people resign because now hybrid work and remote work is no, because you don't see the person doesn't mean they have they don't have access to systems and technology. And the question is how 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 sufficient or adequate is your offboarding protocols in your business, knowing that people are using bespoke or shadow IT, like a Trello board type uh, piece of software that has got company data on it, as well as having remote access into systems or third party access into systems, as well as um, they are able to compromise your data in some way unintendedly because their credentials are still valid, even though they're no longer employees. So how do you think about your organization overall in terms of all the technology choices you're making or all of the business decisions you're making and what the impact from a cybersecurity perspective is on that? So we're seeing a holistic type approach towards cybersecurity. Of course, domain-specific cybersecurity is important. And then from is it cloud security or access control or data security, but absolutely we're seeing that the, the conversation is 
at the CEO level and at the governance level as much as it used to be at the CIO and IT level before. Something I'm curious about, um, it goes back to something you you mentioned at the beginning. You were talking about how um, X is... Uh, primarily interacts with the market through a net through a network, um, you know, right? Yes, a network of partners. So because of that, then um, when you when you are talking to let's say end users, corporates, whoever they are, right? Um, what's the conversation there? Because um, at some point you probably then have to direct them to actually, if you want A, B, C, and D. This is the this these are the people in our network that yes. will that will make that happen for you. That's a good question. That, that's a very insightful question. There's a there's a, the conversation is is different from the enterprise or the consumer. It's about risk mitigation. Yeah. It's more about risk management. It's not about tools. They're not about uh, single panes of glass, and it's not about uh, the lasers and greatest, and it's not about well, of course, there is an element of AI. So there is always this. When it, if the technology conversation comes up, the first one comes up is AI or cloud, those because those are training topics. But the posture is risk mitigation and risk management. Okay, yeah, that makes sense uh, from that point of view because the reason I asked was because you did say that there's that shift that's happening and these conversations are being had at a boardroom and C-suite, you know, type of level and. From what I know, that is not the crowd that is sitting here and trying to understand, you know, the the, the intricacies of, let's say, uh, cloud computing, Kubernetes and whatnot, and, you know, that type of thing. You know, they, big picture, cost, um, what does it mean for my organization as a whole moving forward? And I guess a posture yeah, type of conversation as opposed to one about, um, I guess, product. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Yeah. And there, there's a, also another interesting dimension to that. Since you want to have that conversation, I enjoy that conversation. Is cybersecurity, and we know it. Security has been, an, uh, we used to refer to it in the uh, in the past as like a grudge purchase. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Nobody likes to buy cybersecurity. It evolved from there. People started seeing the benefit of it. We can thank ransomware for that. Now everybody thinks about cybersecurity. Even my kids because they think about ransomware and those uh, bad actors are you know we watch tv shows etc and we learn about hackers and the bad actors but then so then we all knew there was a risk out there we became more digitally centric and the more people want to know about the tools and the systems that you can use but take it one step forward from there then came the data explosion and that became very interesting what happens to our data and then Poppy and GDPR and those kind of things started saying, how do you think about privacy? And how do you think about isolating our data? And what happens when our data goes to the cloud? So that was the next level of the conversation. But then if you take it one step forward, one step further than that, you go, well, we know that cybersecurity is a threat mitigation system. So thinking about cybersecurity uh, is a threat mitigation. But there's still always the thing about how much is too much and how much is enough. Because company sizing first so for a large bank it's quite obvious that you need to be have a very strong cybersecurity posture but for a large company like Alviva it's, it's a little bit different because what are we really protecting a bank is protecting credit card information money all kinds of things but then as you move through the enterprise different types of enterprises cybersecurity maybe doesn't have the same um, obvious benefit in other organizations so then cybersecurity metrics are very different 
should become very different from what they were before, because before it was spent for risk mitigation. Now the real question about cybersecurity is, what is the business value it brings? And that's why it's moving into the different conversation level at the C-suite. It's not just about protecting us from bad actors, the hackers out there, because there's other things that have unintended consequences inside of your organization that you need to cater for, or other things that could be happening, like when you put your things in the cloud, whatever your things are, is like you trust the cloud to take care of your things, but does it really? You know, so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's not necessarily saying that it's something uh, somebody's going to want to steal something from you, but it's like, do you know where your stuff is? And will my competitor now suddenly get access to all of my data and know everything about me? Or other customers see other customers' data and then they go and steal those customers. So it's it's not just about bad protecting ourselves from bad actors anymore. It's about thinking about how your business operates and whether all of that things that you have in your business are managed and maintained in the way they should be maintained and managed. I think I know how you're going to respond to what I'm about to ask, but I'm gonna ask <laughs> it uh I'm gonna ask it anyway. Do you think from a risk point of view, and especially when you are at that level, at board level, C suite level, what is my biggest risk? Is my biggest risk the bad actor that's trying to attack my company from the outside? Or is my biggest risk the fact that internally we might not all be on board with what needs to be done to protect this organization? I will say that that's half of the story. The other half of the story is, what else, do I know what all my risks are? So don't you say the risk. Do I actually know what all my risks are? And then do I, do I have a sense of comfort that we have defined what those risks are and we've done something about them? So I think that's that's the that's that's an interesting. And if we just move the word risk out, because also risk takes us down a a, a swim lane. But trust is also as important as risk. If you start thinking about what what is the trust that I want to give my employees, my customers, etc., then you start thinking about disruption. Yeah. So not just this thing of risk, because risk means bad things, but disruption, disruption to business operations, beat a ransomware attack. Or something else like you know business resilience, like your ability to recover from a disruption, um, is the cyber security is the is our cyber security posture impeding growth or progress for the organization? Because you can have so much security that nobody can do anything, and then you 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 lose that element of creativity, risk taking, etc., because of the posture that you've created in the business. So is it inhibiting? And of course, there's things like compliance and governance, and you know the GRC stuff that we have to care about. And then also, is our cybersecurity posture or our posture considering that we can we can treat different things differently? So not everything needs to be. In a, in a vaulted silo, protected, and nobody touches it. So yes, you're right. But I think sometimes when we use old words, we, we have old thoughts about those words. And, and, you know, that's what they're saying is now about cyber resilience, because it allows us to think differently about the problem, not just in the old way that we used to think about it before. Hmm. So I think a natural thing, a natural question then becomes, you know, from an access point of view, is that the type of engagement that you guys are, are having with businesses? Like, are you helping them to actually think around what their own risks, you know, actually are? And I ask that simply because a number of uh, what would have traditionally been 
you know, software companies or vendors, you know, have been moving increasingly into this sort of more consultative role, this more strategic, you know, planning type of role? I would like to say yes, but our job is about selling technology at, at where we are positioned in the market. But the how of how you sell the technology, you're absolutely correct about. It's no longer about speeds and feeds and capability. And and uh, I, I remember when I first started selling or being engaged in the cybersecurity world, they said, do the paranoid sell. Get the, make them really paranoid that they're going to lose everything, and then you can sell them something. So it was that, that fear factor that we had. Now you're right. The engagement that our partners are having with their customers and the engagement that we are encouraging our partners to have with their customers, learning from the vendors that we represent, is to have that level of conversation. Is that to have an advisory? You need to start. So the the if I can make a very simple analogy, instead of it being bottom up, like start with your security technology, we want to have a firewall. What's the impact on the business? It's a top-down conversation now. Where are we at? Do we understand our risks? Do we know what's going on? And let's start filtering down the conversation to a level where we engage with the product or the tool or the system or the process that we need to uh, implement or adhere to. Yeah, no, it's a very interesting one. And I wanted to maybe go down that uh, the, 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 the paranoia uh, rabbit hole for a moment. Um, simply because I have so many different thoughts around this. But most recently, one of the things I've spent a little bit of time thinking about, and maybe you can shed some light because you're talking to, you're likely having these conversations. There's the internal piece that we've uh, that we've that we've spoken about, uh, but on an external facing point of view, has has it registered in a lot of business people's minds yet? that bad actors that you're the one who just spoke now about getting rid of you know old language and old ways of thinking right there's always been that traditional mindset or that traditional image of a hacker you know being that person with the hoodie you know in the in the basement in their mom's basement and they've got thousands of computers and it's just some wayward person who's very smart and all of that have do you think business people have reached a point where they realize that, guys, these bad actors that we're talking about, these are not lone wolves. There's literal, you know, these people, are, these are corporate structures, right? They have what you call this. They they have, you know, internal processes. They're going to work. It's a nine to five for these people to try and find ways to infiltrate, you know, your organization. Albeit, yes, um, there's a lot of bots that are being used to, you know, try and attack businesses, but the people behind it are literally going to work. These are organizations that have been formed, you know, to go out into the market and make things happen. And some of them are well resourced. And in certain cases, people are even work uh, organizations, uh, quote unquote, hacker organizations are working together, you know, to be more efficient in economies of scale. Like do executives understand that that's the enemy now like it's no longer just some person over there like it's a it's a it's a real proper concerted effort where people are actively you know trying to do this at uh at at, at a corporate level i'll i'll give you my uh, i'll give you two answers yeah the, the, the official answer is yes 
everybody says they do know. The unofficial answer, I believe, is we most people, there, there, there's a few camps. One of the camps is organizations don't know how exposed they've already been. So they, so we live in this world of not knowing. And because we don't know, we're not afraid. Yeah, You don't know that people are in your network or have been in your network, et cetera. And for, like you said, because it's they've gone in there to see what's possible or what they can use and walked out. So you don't know that you've got vulnerabilities. The other one is people that have been uh, compromised in some way, when we can talk about the different types of compromises, don't talk about it. So there isn't this groundswell to say that it's actually landed and it's in my suburb. It's in somebody else's suburb, so they should have more security. But me, I'll still leave my doors unlocked and not put gates up and that kind of thing because it doesn't happen in my suburb. So, and because we don't share, the, the community doesn't share because it's a shame crime, yeah? Nobody wants to say they got hacked, right? So it's, a, it's really not good at many levels and you can appreciate why. So so that's the problem. And then, like you say, the the, the, the organizations out there already using the best of AI and large language models to do those professional jobs that they do. Not because they're just nefarious creatures, but just because it's a business and an industry for them. And our adoption of technology is not as fast because we start thinking and umming and ahhing about it. And I'm not a big advocate for diving down the AI route, but it's it's those guys are doing it. And I don't think that we have the level of sophistication because we, we don't share or talk about these things, we have the level of sophistication we should have about the things that are happening out there. Because I don't think a hacker uses a mediocre strategy against a small company and a, and a, and a very high level, uh, uh, have large team execution against a large company. The, the, the cyber security tends to normalize you, either exposed or not exposed. Yeah. Not Your size doesn't really matter or the criticality of your data doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's a, there's a financial benefit that makes one go towards certain industries, but the sophistication is the same at all levels mm-hmm. of uh, cybersecurity uh, risk. Yeah, I, I certainly agree with you there, and especially if you're looking at automated attacks because yeah. Um, yeah, a bot doesn't really care who you are. The bot is just going right. full steam ahead. Um, yes. you know, I against whatever it is, um, you know, that you have. So maybe before, you know, we end today's uh discussion, Andrew, we can look at some of the some of the different compromises. There's the things that we are used to hearing about. Um phishing, the email scams, uh, the prince who has an inheritance. Don't click on the dodgy links. You know, the you know, those are the things that we are um that we are t- typically used to you know hearing about what's new i guess in the space in terms of how organizations are getting uh getting getting infiltrated now um i w- i wouldn't i wouldn't express a strong opinion on that because i'm not a cybersecurity fundi and i think all of the all of the cybersecurity guys out there will will spam me <laughs> or ghost me if I do. I'll do, yeah. I will tell you something though that I'll tell you something not not at the technology technological level, yeah. but at the posture level. All of those all of those things are still trending. Ransomware, you know, cloud security, on-premise, bad actors, phishing schemes, email compromise, etc. Those things are all still very real. I think what's happening is that the the compromises are coming in or the compromises are exponential 
because companies have to choose or different companies choose different postures when it comes to cybersecurity. Like when I spoke about the speed of the company, the business evolution. So if you allow a lot of shadow IT, then you've got this data silos of things out there. You've got, you got, you got this fragmentation of your, your security posture. And I think a lot of companies are concerned about not knowing what how exposed they are. And I think what, and what we are seeing happening is this risk governance approach that is coming down, where a lot of companies are, are taking a more sophisticated approach to thinking about technology rather than what's the coolest tech now, what's the coolest uh, compromises out there. I need to get the tech to manage the compromise. It's more about what is the risk that my business has, and then how do I apply technology to manage that risk? So I think companies are becoming, they're not, it's not about the complexity of the, te- uh, the, the complexity of the technology. I think it's about how companies are thinking about the security posture. It used to be a firewall that companies wanted before and some VPN software. Now we see them adopting different types of technology because they're becoming more aware of what the risk landscape looks like for them. So I wouldn't talk too much about the change in the nature of the tax. Of course, they're getting more sophisticated and more complex. I think we're seeing a lot more, uh, a lot more companies talking about cyber security. Like you know, before it was, every, almost everybody now has access to some technology in most organizations where you have two-factor authentication. Before it was just for the banks to have. Now we all understand why we need two-factor authentication. Why it's important for us to do isolation of a transaction. So I think that's what 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 I see is trending out there now is people taking a very good look at themselves and understanding at their level of engagement in the market or technology adoption or business processes what are the things that are risk for us. Okay, cool. And I think that's a good place for you know for us to 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 end. Um, you know, thinking about posture. You know, as opposed to maybe the the intricacies of what goes into the specific slots, what is the overarching strategy? Um, you know that a company you know could be adopting um, when they're looking at cybersecurity. And I wanted to maybe switch. You know, uh, on the last topic to AI doesn't not necessarily cybersecurity yeah. but just AI as a whole. It really does seem like over the last year, you know, talking to people in the tech in the world of tech, people have been investing in AI for a long time. It's it's nothing new. It's just that in the last year it feels like it's come become mainstream because of all the large language models, especially the likes of ChatGPT and all the noise uh, that's made around it. In the current environment, is it necessary? Yeah, I'm very interested to see how your approach here, but is it necessary? Is it necessarily necessary for companies to have an AI strategy? Or Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. And, I, and yeah. I'll, I'll tell you why, because yeah. I hesitantly said yes, but I was quite affirmative in it. I, I believe that you need to have an AI strategy because Otherwise, because AI is not going away. So yeah. let's say that. So it's yeah. not going away. Cool. Let's accept that it's around and we can say we can we can avoid it for as long as we want to. But you, it needs to be a conscious decision that you make about your, what you're going to do with AI. I, my, my biggest, personally, me, Andrew, I'm trying to figure out how do I make money from AI? And I think that's what companies need to think about. Will AI help me make more money? Will AI help me with some of the things I want to do? Or is AI not relevant to my business? And then you should 
concern yourself with that because that's something practical to concern yourself with. The second side of it is, am I exposing myself to something because I have not thought about AI? Am I exposing myself to competitive threat? For example, uh, the call center industry. If you're not going to use AI, we've learned that from large language models, you can build a contact center, and then you can do instant response to customers in an intelligent way, et cetera. It makes you more efficient as a business. So I don't think that the, the AI, the adoption of AI is just only about grandiose applications. They're also about simple applications as well. So yes, I think it's AI is around. We are... We are struggling as an industry to understand how to make money from it because the vendors have all launched these. Um, they are, the Microsoft chairman is in country next week. You know, the Cisco chairman was around a couple of weeks ago. They've all spoken about AI. And we see Microsoft taking quite a strong, and all the hyperscalers, Google, AWS, taking quite a strong position in terms of AI is the wave of the future. Absolutely. We just need to figure out how we make money from it and how we how we bring it into the business. Not 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 let it happen as and then see one day how we catch the bus. I think we have to we have to figure out what we will do if we ever catch the bus first. All right. So on that, that's where we end off today's uh, conversation. It has been a really great one. Um, talking quite a bit, um, you know, about the technology landscape in South Africa, how companies such as Access are engaging with their customer bases at, uh, you know, at different levels. Um, spent quite a bit of uh, time talking um, about uh, the world of cybersecurity and some of the conversations, how some of that is shifting, um, you know, has shifted over time uh, the fact that uh, you know back in the day i think the example that andrew gave is the fact that you know you used to have um, you used to be okay with just having a firewall and perhaps a vpn but now you need to be investing in a number of different technologies understanding the fact that um, your threat actors your bad actors are approaching you left right and center and one of the big things that he did mention is the fact that the level of sophistication when it comes to attacks is not going to be flexed based on how big or small you are as an organization. You just need to expect that there's going to be maximum impact uh, that is coming from, uh, you know, the attackers in the digital realm and just be make sure that you are protected in the best way that you can. And also at the same time, just uh, touching on AI because obviously that is a huge, um, you know, conversation right now. Just accepting the fact that the technology is here and having some type of strategy um, in place, you know, is a good one. And I think what he said there about the fact that uh, people are still trying to figure out, um, you know, how to make uh, money from AI is probably going to be something that uh, is with us, at least, you know, at least in the short term. Um, I think we've noted that in the last two months alone, there's been a number of large um, enterprise vendors, SAP, Microsoft, that have all been, you know, issuing out their own large language models of some sort that are going to be baked into their enterprise software. Meta coming out uh, with Meta AI, and uh, that's going to be baked into Facebook and Instagram. And slowly we see the small, um, you know, crop of companies, you know, sort of dictating slash leading the way, um, you know, around how people are going to be, are currently using AI 
great technology but the question is always like how do you use it and if we're not careful there will be this small group of companies you know that will tell us um you know how to make use you know how to make use of the uh, of the technology so there's an opportunity the the window is still open uh, i believe the window is wide open but uh, you know just stepping through is just one of those things so that's been it it has been a really great one uh, chatting to andrew moodley um, who is uh, the chief uh, digital and marketing uh, officer of uh, at axis andrew thank you so much for being with us today thank you And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcast on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. I've been Mudio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight, which is a multimedia live production. So from my myself and the rest of the team it is a good evening good afternoon and good morning